Broadcasting live from the North Fulton Business Radio X studio, it's time for To Your Health with Dr. Jim Morrow. To Your Health is brought to you by Morrow Family Medicine, an award-winning primary care practice, which brings the care back to health care. Hello, welcome to To Your Health with Dr. Jim Morrow. This is episode 46, if my math is right. You can ask my sister, it usually is not, but I think it's still episode 46. We are so glad that you're listening to these episodes and our podcast. So thankful that you take your time to try to learn a little something new. We've got something today that I think is very timely and I think is very important, something I touched on about a year ago. Um, I've been starting most of these podcasts by uh, talking to my producer, John Ray, but John has squirrels in the attic and I'm not sure he's going to be available to talk today. John, are you still there? Hello, I'm still, John, I, I am still here. And, uh, you know, I appreciate you mentioning that. Um, I wanted to tell you though, we've had a flurry of inquiries after last time's show. An inquiry flurry? Inquiry flurry of folks that are dying to hear you playing the piano. <laughs> so You're I just. A line producer. Okay. What else you got? <laughs> we're, we're looking forward to the, the Morrow holiday favorites, right? So. <laughs> I do enjoy a little Christmas music now and then. Okay, we we, we look forward to to that because we got one show, one more show before Christmas. So that's right. Yeah, I'm going to wear a Santa hat for everybody. I think we'll have to do video then. <laughs> so I am here in my office studio. I'm in at Mara Family Medicine in Cumming, Georgia, and John's in his home studio, looking all dapper and ready to go. And we really do appreciate everybody listening to this. Mara Family Medicine is a state-of-the-art medical practice that's been blessed to win, honestly, every award in the area. We have won Best of Forsyth every time they've given it. We've won Best of North Atlanta every time we've been eligible and a few others as well. And we, we just appreciate our, our patients going out there and voting and taking their time to, to let the world know what they think of us. So thank you so much. If you're looking for a family doctor, we would love for you to look at Mara Family Medicine. I believe you would be happy. I have myself and Dr. Patrick Kendrigan as well. And we also have uh, three physician assistants and one nurse practitioner. And they are a phenomenal group of clinicians who I'm very proud to be able to work with every single day. Uh, coronavirus is still out there. We talked vaccines last time. I'm very excited about the vaccines even still. I do believe that Probably in the next week, people in the United States will be getting one of the new vaccines. They started giving it in England yesterday, I think it was. So I'm very excited about that. Um, I'm a big believer in the vaccines. They are going to be safe. They're looking like they're going to be incredibly effective. So I'm very happy about that as well. Uh, I will be the first one in line, I can tell you that, uh, as soon as they tell us how that line forms. And I think we'll know that in the next week as well. Uh, so be on the lookout for a vaccine. If somebody offers you a coronavirus vaccine, for heaven's sake, take it. Please take it. But today I want to talk about something that happens this time of year. And between now and probably March, it happens. And that's seasonal affective disorder. Uh, SAD, which remarkably enough is sad, which is the whole problem with seasonal affective disorders. People do get depressed. And it happens, the season when it happens is this time of year. And it happens when the days get short. Now, I'm a victim of this. I've had this my whole life, I think. Uh, when the days get short, I get in a worse mood. I get more irritable. I get lethargic. 
Um, I'm just not the person that I am when the days are longer and the weather's warmer. So seasonal affective disorder is a type of depression that's triggered by the shorter seasons. And usually symptoms start late fall or early winter. It's right about now. Winter comes December 21st. And so this is exactly the kind of time when it starts. And people that have it are, are, are symptomatic during this time of the year, and they're better the rest of the year. It's believed that the whole problem hinges on the amount of daylight you get during different times of the year. There's a gland in your brain called the pineal gland that responds to, to light, produces a whole lot of different chemicals. And if it's not producing them, then you don't feel like you should. Now, there are people that get seasonal affective disorder during the summer. And I don't think we have a good explanation for this. It's not very common. It doesn't happen to a lot of people. The most people that get seasonal affective disorder get it during the wintertime. So we're talking about just 4 to 6% of people in the United States, probably that number worldwide, really. But a milder form occurs in up to 20% of people. Now you're talking about a reasonable part of the population that's worth doing something about. I mean, it's worth doing something for everybody, but it's not a lot of people. And the problem with that is if you have a condition that doesn't affect a lot of people, it doesn't get a lot of research, but you get up to 20% and you end up with more research. So that's really good. So that the research indicates that seasonal affective disorder is more common in women than it is men. And some teenagers and children even get it, but usually it doesn't start till you get to be about 20. And interestingly, as you get older, the likelihood of having SAD, which is a lot easier to say, decreases. I think we probably see more depression in people as they get older, but the depression caused by seasonal affective disorder tends to go down as people get older. And I think that's kind of interesting. You do see it more commonly in the northern part of the United States. And I'm no astrophysicist. I know that's a shock, John, but I'm not. But there might be less light during the day in the northern part of the United States than there is otherwise. But winters are certainly longer there. They're harsher there. And uh, I think they're farther away from the equator, the equator. So it probably has something to do with the amount of sunlight during the day. I was reading the other day about a place in Alaska that the sun went down that won't come up till mid-January. Now we're talking some serious affective disorder for them. So what kind of symptoms do you get? I mentioned what happens to me sometimes, but you can get a change in appetite. Now change in appetite can be a decrease or an increase. And if you, if you look at, all the people who are depressed, you see a decent percentage who have a decrease in appetite and they'll lose weight. Uh, Lord, that ain't me. I can tell you that right now. I, I get anything like that. I'm going to eat till I feel better and uh, never seems to help, but I keep trying. And so people gain weight a lot of times and they're fatigued and you get fatigued for a lot of reasons. One is decreasing these hormones and, and chemicals in your brain. Another is just the mood and another is the weight gain. So there's a lot of things to make that happen. People tend to sleep more than normal. They have trouble concentrating. One of the cardinal signs of this is irritability, especially in men. Men are a lot more likely to get mad than sad when they have any kind of depression, even uh, seasonal affective disorder depression. And women a lot more times are more anxious, more likely to be anxious than men are. But you do get irritability and anxiety. You get feeling of rejection a lot of times now. Since March, I guess it was, of 2020, we've all had a, a feeling of rejection, I think, because of the isolation that we've gone through and the distancing and so forth and so on. I mean, there's no social situation that's the same as it was a year ago at all. 
And so a lot of people are having that anyway, but it can be even worse this time of year. So if you're thinking about a loved one or yourself and you're thinking this is a possibility, you might find somebody who's very seriously affected to from a rejection standpoint by this because they already were at a worse baseline than they would have been ordinarily. People with seasonal affective disorder avoiding social interactions. Well, that's all of us to a degree, like I said, but also that can be worse. But if you have summer onset seasonal affective disorder, these people are a lot more likely to lose weight than gain weight. And they have insomnia and irritability and that kind of thing like the others do. But I think it's interesting that during the winter part of the of the year, if you have seasonal affective disorder, you're more likely to gain weight. During the summer, you're more likely to lose it. Just my luck. I have the winter type, so I'm, of course, going to gain weight. And it's also a recurring thing. This is something you can't, you can't help. You can't stop it on your own. So you're going to find that every year when the season comes around that this is going to be an issue. And I think if you see that this is happening to you, you should call your family doctor and make an appointment and have a conversation about what you can do because there are things you can do year after year that can really help you. So the causes of seasonal affective disorder, really, like I mentioned earlier, it's really related to the loss of sunlight in the fall and winter. And researchers have found that reduced sunlight affects your body in a multitude of different ways. And the first one is your biological clock. I mean, it disrupts your natural rhythms. It, if you think about it, it's, it's, it's very difficult when you go to work in the morning and it's dark and you go home from work in the evening and it's dark. It's nothing like the rest of the year. We're talking probably three months of the year, I think. So the other nine months is nothing like that. And then the main chemical in the brain that's affected by this is serotonin, which is a chemical that's depleted when you have straight up depression. And this is a chemical that affects your mood. When that chemical is at the right level, your mood is at the right mood. And when it's at a not right level, then your mood is not right. And like I mentioned, men a lot of times get irritable, women more anxiety or even tearful. And it's a problem. And so when these levels drop, this can trigger depression. Now, melatonin is a brain chemical that regulates sleep. And the more darkness causes the body to produce more melatonin. So that has a lot to do with making you lethargic and fatigued and that kind of thing. And then vitamin D. Lord, I've never talked about vitamin D more in my life than I have in the last year because vitamin D is a problem in general. We've created an entire population of vitamin D deficient people by telling everybody, don't get too much sun. Sun is not good for you. You're going to get skin cancer. Stay out of the sun. Well, you, you get vitamin D from the sun. Vitamin D causes a reaction in your skin that produces, I mean, sunlight, excuse me, causes a reaction in your skin that creates vitamin D for you. So most people are on the low end of vitamin D and it's involved in immunity. So that's why you've heard about it so much in the last year is people talking about immunity from coronavirus and things they can do to be safe and healthy. And so vitamin D is very important. But the less sunlight, less vitamin D, more depression symptoms. So that's important as well. Some of the things that are more difficult to do something about are being female. Four times as many women as men are diagnosed with seasonal affective disorder. Living far from the equator, you can actually change that, but it's not really easy. Family history, you can't change. If you have a family history of people that have seasonal affective disorder, the likelihood's fair that you might suffer from that as well. And if you already suffer some, from some form of depression, then you're more likely to have this to make your depression worse. And you might not understand it for a while, and you might not grasp it until it happens several times, 
But at some point, you're probably going to think, you know, I'm really worse during the winter. And there's things you can do about that. And I mentioned earlier that if you're young, that you're more likely to end up with seasonal affective disorder. So how do you diagnose it? Well, really, you diagnose it by sitting and talking to the patient. We diagnose 80% or more of the things that we do diagnose by sitting and talking to the patient. And if you're seeing a family doctor that won't sit and talk to you, get another family doctor because you need somebody that'll listen to you. I couldn't tell you how many times a day I'll just sit on my stool in the exam room and kick back and lean against the wall and just listen and just ask a question or two and listen to them. And you can really make an awful lot of diagnoses that way. I think everybody in this practice will tell you that. There are some lab tests you might do. You want to be sure the person's not hypothyroid or anemic or having trouble with potassium and that kind of thing. But really, the likelihood is you make this diagnosis just by carrying on a conversation with the patient. Mara Family Medicine has two locations. We're located in Cumming, Georgia, and in Milton, Georgia. And right now, during the pandemic, we are seeing well patients in our Cumming office, and we are seeing any kind of sick patient in our Milton office. Now, if you have a sprained ankle, we can see you in Cumming. But if you have anything that reeks of the virus that's going around, then we're going to see you down in Milton. Uh, they won't let me see any of these people. So if you call and you say you want to see me because you're sick, they're not going to let you because I'm at risk. I'm the old man in the practice. And so I'm not in Milton on days when they're seeing sick people, which is Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. So if you have a problem or a concern, if you're our patient and want to be seen, give us a call. If you're not our patient, it's kind of like when I go to restaurants, John, I'll walk into a restaurant and look around. I'll see a patient over there and a patient over there. And I look at the rest of these people and I think, who do you go to? Because you should be going to Mara Family Medicine because we're killing it over here. And so we want you to be our patient. And if you're looking for a family practice, we hope you'll settle on us. So treating seasonal affective disorder, the three main ways, the most common way and really very effective and free of any side effects really is light therapy. And then you can also use behavioral therapy seeing a counselor, for example, or medication. But light therapy is really interesting. And I learned about this back in the late 80s, early 90s, I guess. And uh, a patient of mine brought a light to the office that they were actually using uh, to treat this because they had figured out that they were worse during this time of year. They didn't know what to call it or anything, but they were worse this time of year. And they figured out it was because of the lack of light. And they kind of on their own, put together a light to use and, and they were using it and it was working for them. But typically the light therapy is designed to make up for that lack of sunlight during the day. And it's been used since the 1980s. And you just sit in front of a special light box every day for a while. It emits a very bright white light that mimics natural sunlight. And it makes a change in the brain chemicals. It makes your pineal gland and other uh, parts of the brain release these chemicals and produce these chemicals. And it really can help. You only have to sit there for a starter of 20 minutes and maybe as long as an hour, but I don't know anybody that's ever done it for an hour. I think 20 to 30 minutes is what most people do. And, and honestly, I've seen it make a tremendous difference and it makes sense because you're correcting the entire problem. Now you don't have to sit in front of a box. There is a, a visor. I'm sure you can find this on Amazon because you can find everything on Amazon. You, there's a visor you can wear that emits light. That's kind of shined into the eyes. So you don't have to be sitting in front of the, light box you can move around even <clears throat> and another thing is called a dawn simulator 
This one turns on early in the morning in your bedroom and it mimics the, the rise of the sun and you get the natural changes in brightness and that kind of thing. My suspicion is something like that's a lot more expensive than the usual 60 or $70 probably you'd pay for a, a light. But if the light therapy helps, then you keep doing it till the sunlight returns. And this is usually early spring. If you stop too soon, you guessed that your symptoms are going to come back. So don't. And I really think that's a great thing because, like I said, there really aren't any side effects from that at all. Some people have reported eye strain and headache. Well, you're in front of the light. You're not supposed to be staring into the light. Okay, so if you're doing that, you're going to have some eye strain and headache. Other than that, I think you're going to be fine. If you do the light therapy at the end of the day, though, I think you'll find that you might have trouble sleeping because it does stimulate some chemicals in the brain that, uh, that stimulate you. And if you do that late in the day, that just doesn't sound like a great idea to me. I've had a patient or two tell me they went to a tanning bed for this. Don't go to a tanning bed for this. Don't go to a tanning bed for anything. I mean, for the love of Pete, don't go to a tanning bed. And, and surely don't go to a tanning bed to try to make seasonal affective disorder better. It won't work. And the biggest reason it won't work, other than the fact that the wavelength of light is wrong, is they put the little covers over your eyes so you can't see. So do not go to tanning beds. And I probably ought to do a podcast on tanning beds. I can talk for an hour on that. Behavioral therapy. I mentioned that, seeing a psychologist, just to help you understand what you're feeling, how you're feeling, and that kind of thing. And that can help. But honestly, that's not going to help as well as light therapy. And if you can't do the light therapy or don't want to, you can take medications. I mentioned serotonin. There's a whole class of drugs called selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, the SSRIs that most people have heard of. And, and these are very good at raising that serotonin level. They're not as low on side effects as the light therapy, though. So that can be a little bit of a problem for you. And you can make changes in your lifestyle that can help your symptoms. That can really help if you change how you do things, when you do things, and that kind of stuff. Then a lot of times you can, can do better because you made the, those changes. But lifestyle changes, those are the hardest changes in the world. They are the hardest things you'll ever try to do. But other things you can do is get, spend more time outside. You know, if there is sun out there, get out there and enjoy it. Be out there in the sunshine, and that can help. And being physically active helps every form of depression that there is, I think. So that's a good idea, and that can really help you. Now, at the end of the day, if you have seasonal affective disorder, you have seasonal affective disorder, and you want to know how to live with it. And there are a lot of things you can do, and the medication can help. The light therapy can help so you don't have all these symptoms. But the number one thing about living with seasonal affective disorder, and probably any disorder, is follow your treatment plan. Whatever your plan is to get better, you have to follow that plan. You can't do it for three days and then stop. You can't do any of these things for three days and then stop. You have to continue to do this. This is a condition that you have to control for the period of time you have the condition. It's just like blood pressure. You can't take blood pressure medicine for a month and think, oh, good. My blood pressure is fine. I don't have to take this anymore. It's going to go up. So if you have seasonal affective disorder and you quit your treatment plan, the problem is going to come right back. Exercise, I mentioned being active, helps just about every form of depression. And I think that's something that every single one of us would benefit from is more exercise. And be careful that you're not turning to alcohol or drugs. 
that's an easy thing to do. And alcohol certainly is incredibly available. Drugs, incredibly too available. But these all things all make depression worse. They are, these are downers for the most part. All drugs are not, but the ones that you would end up taking probably would be. And you have to be careful because, yes, they will make you feel better for the hour or six around the time that you took it or drank it. But long-term use will absolutely make you have more depression. There's no question about that. And if you're taking medication and you're drinking alcohol, you have to be super careful because you can really have a problem. You can have a deadly reaction if you're not careful, depending on the medicines that you're taking. The next one in my list of these things is managed stress. Now, I always enjoy telling people that. That's like telling a woman to relax. That always works. But if you tell somebody to manage their stress, that's easy to say and incredibly difficult to do. I mean, if most of my patients who have trouble with this could manage their stress, they already would have. But it's important to keep it in mind. And especially if you're seeing a counselor, they can absolutely help you identify some ways and learn some ways that you can handle the stresses in your life better. So if you do that kind of thing and talk to a counselor or talk to your loved one and you're trying to manage your stress, that's also something you have to do on an ongoing basis. Because most of your stresses, I'd be willing to bet, are not short-term, they're long-term stresses. It's a lot harder to be depressed when you're being social. So when you have an opportunity, I'll double back to what I said at the beginning, get that vaccine and then you can be more social. Because once we have this vaccine, we're all going to be able to be more like what we were and get back to something more enjoyable, something more like civilization. Try not to say normal because I don't know what normal is going to be anymore. But try not to isolate if you have seasonal affective disorder. It will not help you. And if you know you have it, start treatment early. I've got a double handful of patients that have this, and they take medication for this this time of year and only this time of year. And I tell them all, don't wait till you're having trouble. Let's get started on this the 1st of November and take it till the 1st of March. And then you're going to be a lot better off because you're less likely to have bad symptoms because you never get that drop in serotonin. And then you you feel good the entire winter. One of the bad things about wintertime and one of the blessed things about wintertime is Christmas. It's a blessed holiday, but it's also a very sad time for a lot of people. And I think if you throw seasonal affective disorder in with the issues that a lot of people have with Christmas for a multitude of reasons, you know, you're looking at people that can be really significantly depressed. So whether it's you or it's a loved one, please keep in mind that there are things you can do for this. See your family doctor. If you don't have one you should like and trust, Mara Family Medicine is right here and we'd love to take care of you. John, that's what I got on seasonal affective disorder. So I've got a question on that. So how do I maybe, uh, I think I may have it. Okay. That's one issue, but what if I see it in my spouse or see it in my significant other, see it in, or think I see it in someone else? What am I looking for? I think you're looking number one for irritability. Mm. You know, somebody that is, you know, that is reacting in a way that's disparate from the way they would ordinarily react. I tell patients all the time, if you're spending much time thinking to yourself, man, why would I react like that? Then this or regular old depression, 
is very likely a problem for you. So I think being irritable, uh, isolating somebody that ordinarily will go out with you and do something or meet you on the weekend to do something that, you know, during that time of the year is going, well, I don't want to, no, I'm not going to, no, I can't do that. Got a million reasons. Then I think that's important as well. So a change in personality really, I think is the best way to describe that. You're looking for that. Well, what you're describing though is what it seems to me a lot of people have gone through in the pandemic, right? I mean, that it's, absolutely, yeah. So that the symptoms are very similar. They are. And, and if you look at symptoms of depression, you know, the seasonal affective disorder, disorder has the symptoms of depression and people who are isolated and, and who have to change their normal activity and the normal routine, those people get depressed. So that's people in the pandemic. Uh, and then if you look also at the group of people who, for medical reasons, are unable to do the things that they ordinarily would do. And if you think about it, what we're talking about is change. And change is incredibly difficult. It has a huge impact on people, you know, on their minds, on their mental health. And it's, it's, it's very difficult, even though with this particular instance of seasonal affective disorder, you know it's coming every year. But still, when it comes, it catches you off guard and it still makes you feel this way. So I think it's important for people to uh, be honest with themselves about how they feel. Um, hopefully they have loved ones and coworkers and people who will be interested enough in them to ask them what's going on. Cause I think that's important because a lot of times people won't, won't address it. If it's just them, if they haven't had a, a, a person that would bring it up and, and make them bring it to the forefront and do something about it. A lot of times they just won't. Now, something tells me that this is the kind of, um, issue that a lot of people want to go see Dr. Google about as opposed to come see their um, family physician. So why don't you talk to those folks that think um, they can just Google an answer on this one? Well, it's not a lot different from Googling an answer on just about anything. (laughs) Uh, The worst things in the world are the first things that pop up. And that's just the way the algorithm is written. That's just the way it is. Um, But really, it's very difficult to find the answer for this online. It just is. And I think it's true for a multitude of reasons. But psychological things really require, in my opinion, human-to-human interaction to to pull out the details about how somebody feels and, and why they're feeling that way and when they're feeling that way. And so I think it's just best for you to bring your symptoms to the physician, have a conversation with them about how you're feeling, make a diagnosis and a treatment plan. And that way you don't come in and when I say, hey, what's going on? You don't say, Oh, I've got porcoderma congenitalia of Rothman. Oh, really? Oh, the appointment said you were tired and irritable. Oh, yeah, I looked it up online. It's porcoderma congenitalia of Rothman. And I'm going, no, I don't, I don't really don't think that's what it is. But I, I see that all the time. They, you, they come in to give you a diagnosis instead of their symptoms. And you know then, you already know that they've been to Google. Mm-hmm. Now, we just got a phone call from the um, head of the Association of Tanning Salon Owners that your invitation to the convention has been canceled. So, But invite them to come on the podcast, please. <laughs> I, would lo- I would love that. That would be awesome. So uh, sounds like we've got another episode in our future on uh, – 
why you shouldn't go to the tanning salon. It could be very, very short, (laughs) but I do think that's an important point. And if you don't take anything away from seasonal affective disorder, other than don't go to a tanning bed, then that's great because you can die from going to a tanning bed and you're incredibly unlikely to die from going to, from having seasonal affective disorder. So I appreciate you bringing that back. And I appreciate them calling. I'm glad they're listening. That's wonderful. So okay. as usual, I have no idea what we're doing on the 23rd, but uh, I can tell you it'll be from my home studio, not from this studio. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I appreciate everybody listening. John, I appreciate your help. hope everybody's being safe. And for now, that is to your health. 